Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Saw Something Scary. Derek Zoo and Jeff right here with you. And we're going to talk this week about the new Netflix movie that just came out. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Jeff, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Um, actually, you know what? That's a lie. I am <laughs> super tired. We were going to record last night, and I texted you and said, I'm old. I'm sleepy. I need to <laughs> try this in the morning. You're kind enough to agree, but I got a good night's rest. It didn't help. The, the only thing I can conclude is that I'm pregnant. <laughs> Uh, and I, I just base that solely on knowing when, when my wife is pregnant with her, you know, or the kids that we've been blessed with. That first trimester, she just goes to sleep all the time. And uh, that's basically what I feel like doing. So, yeah, here we go. Cisgendered uh, uh, biological male here. And I'm, uh, I guess I'm banking on pregnancy. Well, hey, man, congratulations. Thanks. I, I'm in, I, I'm kind of weirded out. But if, if I could just get some rest, I'll be happy with whatever, whatever else is required. Right. Yeah. We'll just, uh, you know, drink lots of water, keep your feet up. Thank you. Thank I think you'll be okay. Thanks. We'll yeah. uh, we'll offer that as a new Patreon benefit. People can come rub my feet. <laughs> Help me through this difficult time. And your belly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, poor pregnant women, man. I, that is such a uh, that's such a weird thing for people to do. I've watched my wife have to go through it and like do the belly swivel pivot and stuff. It's just it's such a weird cultural thing. I don't think people mean anything by it, but the idea that someone will just come up and grab your belly is is such a weird idea. But people do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's weird that people just don't have any personal boundaries anymore. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I always uh, degreet people at the bottom of the stairs at uh, Stampede and, you know, basically shake their hands, tell them thanks for coming out and stuff. And there was at least like four people last night that grouped me. Oh, my. On my way, on my way out. Yeah. Or on their way out, rather. And I was just and, you know, my gift shop manager is there with me. And I just looked at her and I was like, what? 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 <laughs> Well, I mean, can you blame them? Let's just start there. I mean, what? I know it's weird and it shouldn't happen, but I mean, come on. That's that's very true. But at the same time, keep your hands yourself. Like, Skeeter is not public property. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like people are like filling my arms. Like a couple people were like grabbing my chest and stuff. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm not just some piece of meat that's in overalls here, guys. <laughs> that's terrible. I'm sorry I'm laughing at you. It's <laughs> just, it's so surreal. It's hard for me to do anything but laugh about it. Like, yeah. What in the world, man? That's crazy. I'm a human being with feelings and emotions. The next time that you come by, though, I may I may grope you. Well, just, you know, I mean, just, like back fine. your neck or something, but just uh, <laughs> yeah. see what just, that feels like on my side. You know, just pay fifty five dollars like the rest of these marks, I guess. And- <laughs> That's crazy. The touch and feel Skeeter hour. That's so crazy. Yeah, stupid. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. That's unfortunate. Part of uh, part of being in the public eye, I guess. I guess so. More than the public eye, the public palm. You know, (laughs) people, people. Anyway, man, let's get right into it. Let's uh, let's go to everyone's favorite part of the show. Jeff hates trailers. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about probably the two most talked about horror trailers out there right now. We got a new one from uh, Midsommar. Yeesh. And, um, nah, man, I'm still out on it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know hereditary was a thing, um, but just anybody who's tuning in for the first time here, Derek and I were ultimately unimpressed by that film. Yeah, and it just really lowers the uh, the anticipation, I guess, for this thing because it looks so, for lack of a better term, weird. Um, did you did you watch the second trailer? I definitely did not. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I, you know what, dude? I'm also on IMDb right now. 
looking at the parents' guide on this thing, and I'm all the way out. Like, I don't think I'll watch this movie at all. Oh, good. What uh, what has caught your eye and turned your stomach? I mean, I don't even know if I can say it on the air. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. I tell you what, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it, and you use your discretion to whether or not you want to keep it. Okay. Um, at two points in the film, and is is consumed. Dude, how stupid. Yeah. How freaking stupid. So here's here's the so I was just scrolling down and I looked at the you know, they've got the parents guide and it tells you different things and in sex and nudity it says severe. And so I click it and here's all the things here's all the things that you'll you get. Uh, a painting containing full frontal female nudity is present in the trailer. A drawing of topless women is shown in the trailer. Crude comments regarding women. A girl is seen naked from the shoulders up in the trailer. And then it goes into into that. So uh, the the one I just described, a ritualistic sex scene with nudity and full frontal female nudity. So let me ask you something. How many Why? times can you objectify women and keep telling yourself that you're doing it to make fun of people who objectify women? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, Oh, yeah. How do, you, how do you keep talking yourself into that narrative if that's what you're about? Yeah. It's really frustrating. I just I get ill about this. Uh, you know, I think a lot of our listeners know I'm, I'm an evangelical Christian, um, and that certainly informs the way I consider films. But I really don't think you have to be a religious person to be like, hey, maybe we'll just stop parading women around for people to ogle, you know? Yeah. Maybe we could maybe we could just tell an interesting story without again having to objectify women and reduce them to their body parts. Yeah. So can you tell I, the, can you tell I get a little salty about this? Yeah, you should be. One of the uh one of the trivia bits in this is uh the film has been described as the Wizard of Oz for perverts. So I'm out. Yeah dude. I, I think we can officially put that on the not gonna watch list. Yeah. Sorry guys. Uh find somebody else to review that movie for you. But I'm I'm all the way out on it. Uh, that that new trailer didn't look good. It, uh, matter of fact, it just further solidified the fact that I'm not going to watch it. Um, I thought that I would maybe be forced into watching it if everyone wanted us to review it, but I. Uh, we don't do this often, but I'm just going to go ahead and put my foot down and say that it's not going to happen. Sure. Love to hear from people who do watch it. You can tell us Absolutely. how wrong we are. Yeah. I mean, we have a Facebook group for that. We don't think we're the, uh, I mean, we may be the, you know, the, the superior opinion on horror stuff, right? But we're not infallible. Uh, right. But anyway, you, you can use all the resources to tell us we got it wrong and, you know, uh, feel free to do that. Yeah. But when, uh, when I'm reading that kind of stuff, um, you know, it, you and I have had these discussions several times before I don't go to the movie theater to watch stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely not. And, um, yeah, I mean, just the thought of it makes my stomach turn. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, no, thank you. Have a good day. And to those of you that enjoy that kind of thing, that's the kind of thing that those of you will enjoy. So sure. And different strokes for different folks. Absolutely. I, I don't hear you casting judgment, just saying, you know, some people like uh, rare steaks some people like well done steak. And uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to pass on this one as not my preference. Yep. Absolutely. Well, look, see, I'm uh, glad, I'm glad we worked through this. Now we have, uh, we yeah. have a defense. Definitive position on Midsummer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sorry to spoil some of the movie for you, but after reading that, I felt like it was a necessity. You know, I think there's different ways uh, that the term "spoil the movie" can uh, can be used in this in this sense. I think that movie was spoiled uh, in development, so yeah, I don't think you did that. Yep. 
Mm. Uh, so anyway, that movie comes out July 3rd. Great. Yeah. But let's talk about a movie that I know we're both, we both enjoy and it will both be chomping at the bit, <laughs> no pun intended for what I was just talking about, uh, on, uh, later on this year, September the 6th, as a matter of fact, it chapter two, we got the first big, uh, teaser trailer for that came out last Thursday and who boy, I know you haven't looked at it yet or you haven't watched it and I know that you're not going to, but it's, it's darn good. Yeah. I keep reading like maybe the scariest horror movie trailer ever online. Ah, man, that's, that's debatable. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. I watched it. Um, full disclosure, I was driving to Tennessee uh, excuse me, I was in Tennessee already, and a uh, friend of the show, uh, Shauna, she texted me, and she said, It trailer just dropped, and I immediately pulled over and watched it, and kind of got a little chill up my spine, so, yeah, yeah so it's it's going to be good, man. Um, I mean, obviously, the first one was great, and I'd be sorely disappointed if the second one doesn't match up to the first one, but this one looks really creepy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see these actors portray these these characters. You know, Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, and Bill Hader. Those are the first three that come to mind. So, dude, I'm I'm ready. I don't want to I don't want to go ahead and waste the summer away or wish the summer away. But uh, hurry up. September 6th. Get here. For sure. I mean, we've got good stuff. I'm pretty much uh, at, at full anticipation for Brightburn. I, yeah. I don't know if you watched that most recent trailer, but friend of the podcast and frequent contributor Jody Webster, uh, he, he posted it in a Facebook group and said, you know, this is maybe the most intense horror scene I, I think I've seen in a while. And so we've got good stuff coming. I'm pumped for Godzilla, too. You wouldn't believe how many kaiju movies I've been watching. Um, yes, I would. <laughs> my kids have gotten into it, so it's a fun thing for the whole family. Oh, cool, man. That's yeah. fun. The the family that watches Tokyo get destroyed together stays together is what I'm banking on here. <laughs> um, That's cross-stitch on a pillow in your living room, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think, again, yet, yet another one of those, uh, the T-shirts that we're going to have made. <laughs> we, we can market that. Um, yeah. So I'm pumped for Godzilla, too. Uh, there's still some good stuff coming. I feel like we've hit a lull, uh, you know, mid-May mm-hmm. after after in-game destroyed all box office records ever. Uh, but there's good stuff yet ahead, sir. So as your fellow Voyager, I think there are uh, there are good things we're looking looking at in the future. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I pulled Jeff Wright, and when Jody posted that in the Facebook group, I said, you know what? I've seen all I want to see at this movie. I'm not going to watch anymore. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Brightburn. On Brightburn. I'll be there sometime opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way I plan to approach it, too. Uh, you know, to, to just refresh why it's a good idea to avoid trailers like you did there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another friend of the podcast and contributor, Jared Moore, and I went to see Detective Pikachu. Oh, cool. Um, in, in some ways, I can't believe I said that into an audio record, but I did. <laughs> and uh, did did you, did you play Pokemon? Uh, no, sir. I'm did you do man. Pokemon Go or any of that? Uh, again, grown man. Yeah, so I, I, I just, it wasn't my thing. You know, I, I did like basketball cards, and I'm not saying better or worse. I just, that wasn't the kind of cards I was buying, you know? Yeah, I think I was maybe a couple years ahead of the Pokemon. Like, once it got really big, I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm too old to do this stuff. Oh, well, then that would have been definitely 
definitely true for me. That may be that might be why I never did either. Yeah. Uh, but I also never did like Magic the Gathering or. Yeah, I didn't either. You know, and I mean, I talk to people and I find it interesting. It's just anyway. I, nonetheless, I went to see the Pikachu movie and um, I did it because I, I like Ryan Reynolds. I think he's funny and I thought he could carry it. And in a, in, in whole, I guess he did. But here's the thing, Derek. Everything funny in that movie as a non as a non Pokemon guy. Mm-hmm. Everything funny in that movie was in the trailer. Oh, uh, yeah. And I just, you know, cool. I could have just watched the trailer and gotten every joke. And that's what I was going to watch the movie for. Uh, maybe somebody was like, well, it's for hardcore Pokemon fans. I don't think so. I think that was a, a supposed to be a way to hook you into the property if you weren't a player, basically. Yeah. And it may do that for people. But I just I was like, man, guys, don't give away everything good and punish the person who pays the ticket. Right. So I, I guess I've already went on one rant. I'll just <laughs> stop this one before it blossoms. But come on, we've got to do something about the modern trailer enterprise. Jody has mentioned that basically studios outsource that to an entirely third party. Right. And that they operate on the theory that you have to know the whole plot of the movie uh, through the trailer, that that's the only yeah. way people are going to come. I just, I think we've lived past that point. I think people are too informed. And I think even if you have to do that, I think I could cut a Pikachu trailer that gave you the gist of it that didn't give away the most entertaining parts of the film. Yeah, 100%. So, well, we're, you know, I, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, we're past, we're past that approach to trailers. If that's how it's, uh, if that's how Hollywood's thinking, they just need to, they need to move on. Yeah. Yeah, or take the Avengers approach, right? Sure. I mean, they you got the gist of what that story was going to be in Endgame without them revealing, like, too much of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was genius because, number one, everybody wanted to see, I mean, obviously everybody wanted to see that movie, but people were clamoring to see new footage of it. And if you only give them, like, the first 15 minutes and then maybe a little bit of the battle where you don't really see what's going on, that's all you needed. Yeah. And, and so, what a weird world to live in where a major motion picture like that, the directors have to come out and say, please don't watch any more trailers. Watch the first yeah. one. Please don't watch any more. Like, yeah. this is too counterproductive, man. Yeah, it's it's weird, dude. Yeah. I, I beat this drum for a long, long time, so I I don't mean to drag us back there. I, it's just yet another you know film to throw on the scrap heap of too much giving away in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, with it, they... Uh, you know, they'll probably put out one more, but I think I hope that's it. Like, I, no pun intended. I just I don't want to see much of this movie at all. Like, I want to go in with the freshest of eyes. And, you know, and here's the thing. Like, we already know the story. We already know the beats. But I just want to see how they're going to do it in 2019 with a great director like Muschietti mm-hmm. and this cast. So, sure. I'm all in. If you can't get across, there's a killer clown who's preying on kids. In a, in a two minute trailer or a minute thirty trailer, um, without you know, without feeling like you have to give away the farm, give away the farm. I, I really think you should be in a different line of work than trailer editing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, really, all you needed was shots of these kids as grown ups, so that we see them, and and then scars guard at the end of it, and that should have sold you on it. Sure, done and done. Yeah. It's it's super easy with sequels and part twos. You know, yeah. Uh, if you can't do it with any other property, you know. Maybe Maybe something like Hereditary, where you feel like you you know you're bringing something really strange to the market that's not been seen before. Yeah, cool. Uh, you know, I may not agree with you, but that even sounds more reasonable. Let's just let's just dial it down, 
guys. Uh, let's start with sequels and, and, and follow-ups, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. You said hereditary, and I instantly yawned, like instinctively. <laughs> it was almost Pavlovian. We're going to have pretty soon where I say midsummer, and you're just going to vomit into your trash. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> just going to openly weep. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, that's got that's got it for this week's edition of Jeff H. Trailers. All right. Well, it's been a hot minute since we've done an actual like full segment show. It's and, been a long time. We yeah. shouldn't have left you. <laughs> Here's your dope beat. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad, though, because we've mentioned previously there's not a ton of news coming out that's significant, yeah. but a little bit did accumulate in the interim. So some of this is a little bit older than others, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but I think it's cool enough to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. So I think we mentioned this earlier that somebody was going to take another run at Stephen King's Salem's Lot. Okay. It's been a long time. Uh, Shouldn't but, have left. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to do. It is. Is that Timbaland? Uh, yeah, with Aaliyah. Oh, Aaliyah. Yeah. Yeah. I think, right? Dust yourself off and that try again. Right. That sounds right. That sounds right. Well, look it up. It, yeah, you the phrase kind of, again, Pavlovian. Yeah. The phrase kind of requires you to play that out in your head. Yeah, it was Aaliyah. Yeah. Well, so we know now. We know that Salem's Lot is going to be reinvented or whatever by James Wan and Gary Doberman. Now, oh, cool. When was when was the last time you saw Salem's Lot, or have you ever seen Salem's Lot? Uh, man, I have, but it's. I mean, you're looking at probably twenty something years. That that was a movie that I remember watching as a kid and then never going back to. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I watched it until like two years ago because. Kind of in the same way that you're talking about, um, I knew it existed, and and I feel like even like uh, surely I'm not spoiling this for anybody, but the the, the vampire, the way the vampire looks, mm-hmm. I had that image in my head, but I don't think I'd ever watched the film at all. So a couple of years ago, I watched it, and I thought, hey, for a movie that came out like '79, this holds up pretty well. Yeah, but I also didn't know that. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what you do with it. New. There was apparently in 2004 a TNT miniseries that Rob Lowe was in, mm-hmm. and I didn't watch that either. And I just thought like, okay, I'm not surprised they're going back to the Stephen King well and they're going to ring out every possible incarnation of it. But this is just not something I'm in. The property wasn't something I was super excited about the way I was for like Gerald's game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Or even it. Does it, does it make you more excited that James Wan and Gary Doberman are involved? Not really. Okay. And is that, are are you tired of James Wan's shtick? I think so. Okay. I'm curious because I think probably this news hits the person through the lens of whatever they thought of. La La Rona. And yeah. I think I'm more, I was more positive about La La Rona than you were. And so I'm generally happy to hear this. This probably bumps up my anticipation for this project, not, you know, into a whole new tier, but 20 to 30%. And I, yes. was, I was curious if somebody like you who didn't care for La La Rona maybe would feel the other way. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think for me, uh, The Nun and La La Rona were both like, I mean, La La Rona was obviously better than The Nun, but they're both swings and misses for me. Yeah. And so, you know, you kind of get that. Um, what's the words I'm looking for here? I don't know. It's early. Um, you kind of get that diminishing returns effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get it. And uh, so, I mean, I, I'll be ha- – again, I mean, like we always say, right? I'll be happy to be proven wrong. Or I'll be happy to come on here and tell you that I'm wrong if this movie winds up being really great. But uh, And I'm sure that I'll watch it. But as of right now, uh, anytime I hear the name James Wan, my eyes roll. Yeah. So, you know, and, and also, if you're looking at it, Wan's got a hat trick for me on Sucky because I didn't like Aquaman either. 
Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, and again, I know that I'm like one of the only people in the world that didn't like Aquaman, and that's fine. Um, and, and, you know, I think you and I talked about this on one of your other 76 podcasts, uh, the Shazam cast, that I uh, I went into that movie just trying to kill time and just thought it was too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I should probably revisit it before I, like, put a stamp that I hate it or whatever. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so I, now I'm just kind of like, James Wan. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he, he's not he's not a uh, on levels yet, but and I don't think he ever will be because he's he's put he has put more good into the world than evil. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Unlike the aforementioned M Night, but yeah, as of right now, anytime I hear him attached to something, I'm like, uh, we'll see. Well, as I as I mentioned, Juan still has his fastball for me. Like I still like what he does. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I know like okay, it's going to be a lot of dark, um, like gray layered on top of black, and then something's going to jump out of the screen at me. But sure, it, it, you know, if anybody other than than Nolan can do the jump scare really well, I'm, I'm you know James Wan still works for me. It's Gary Doberman that kind of fits everything you just said. Yeah, he is the epitome of the mixed bag for me. I'm I'm going to run through this description that came from. Uh, I don't think it was bloody disgusting. Uh, I'm sorry I lost the link to who who published this news, but listen to this description of him. One of the most in-demand horror scribes in town, Doberman knows his way around a scary story, having written Annabelle and Annabelle Creation. Well, I mean, we both agree that Annabelle Creation was pretty good, but Annabelle was not. Yeah, you're right. So right off the top, eh, hit or miss, movies that are part of the Conjuring universe, the story continues, and have made over $500 million worldwide. He also wrote the Conjuring spinoff, The Nun. Exactly. But then listen, in addition to working on New Line's adaptation of Stephen King's It, as well as the upcoming It Chapter 2. Good night, man. And you're like, dude, are you bipolar? What What is yeah. your deal? You think maybe on like the good stuff, he's had like a governor or someone that edits him uh, to where he's not, you know, the main person in charge. And then on the stuff that really isn't that good, he's the main person in charge. Well, that's a good theory. I mean, I don't think he directed, I don't think he directed any of those, but I know the ones that I like the most, which are It and Annabelle creation. Right. I like the directors on that already. I like Muschietti. I like Sandberg. Yeah. And so maybe maybe that's what he needs. He needs somebody to come through and like directorially edit what he's writing. Yeah. Or steering. He, yeah. He just needs a governor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we start calling whoever's working with him the governor? Yeah, I think so. The Walking Dead fans are not going to like it. Oh, well. Uh, we do get kind of a, another preview of this collaboration, though, because those are the same two guys working on Swamp Thing, which is, I think, premiering this month on the DC Universe thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I think May 31st, the same day that... Uh, Gojira. Yeah, there we go. Godzilla sure. comes out. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm high. Uh, I know people listen to this, obviously, like podcasts. Stuff You Missed in History Class just did a episode on the original Godzilla, the 54 one, and it's really good. And it got me really excited for the new one because apparently the guy directing the new one is a big fan of the franchise and is trying to include references and whatnot. Okay. So uh, I know this is off subject, but if, if you're looking for something more to, to listen to and ready, getting ready for that movie, Stuff You Missed in History Class, it, it's sponsored by the studio, so they do a lot of ads for it, but the content's really good. Oh, cool. Cool. All right. Can, can I do one more tangent? Yeah, absolutely. Have you watched anything on the DC Universe platform? I, I haven't. 
I, I have too many platforms right now. Yeah, we're for real. I mean, Disney's not even launched. I know it. So I watched the Titans series. Okay. Yeah, we've talked about this before. We have. Okay. Did I tell you that it's way too much Zack Snyder? Yes. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's disappointing. I love those characters, and I really hope they quickly get past Zack Snyder's quote-unquote vision, and I specifically hope it doesn't affect Swamp Thing. I'd much rather even one and mixed bag Gary Doberman mm-hmm. uh, be the governors on, you know, the only governors on that platform. I hope nobody who thinks Zack Snyder should make movies is giving notes to Swamp Thing. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm I'm really looking forward to Swamp Thing, man. Yeah, it was one of my favorites growing up as a kid, and I think I will probably have to get it. Uh, you know, for the I don't know. Are do we know if they're going to drop all those episodes um, on the 31st, or it's going to be like a a week long thing? Like uh, what was that thing we watched? Uh, the Stephen King TV yeah, show. Uh, Castle Rock. Yeah, there it is. I kept wanting to say Sleepy Hollow. I knew that was wrong. Um, do we know yet what the what the format's going to be on it? You know, I have not heard. That's a good question, but I haven't heard. Yeah. I'm sure we can find out. We just haven't looked, and probably some of our listeners already know, but I, I'm not one of them. Yeah. Oh, dude, do you know what else comes out on the 31st? Uh, no, I think that's... Ma. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I can't believe I overlooked that, but dude, that's almost going to be like a holiday. Yeah. Man, I I mean, it's going to be summer break for me as a teacher and my schedule lightens up, but I'm, I guess I need to just take that day off. Yeah. That's uh that's an all day watch event, man. Oh, I'm so excited, Derek. That is, yeah. uh, that is such good news. I'm giddy. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So Rocket Man comes out that day. The Elton John oh, movie. For real. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. This Rocket is Man. Godzilla. at the movie oh, theater. Right. Sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gushing. You, no. No, you're fine. Because you kept saying Godzilla on the 31st. And I was like, that's not the movie that I was thinking of. So I went back and looked again. And yeah, Ma. Ma finally comes out after 14 years of trailers we've seen on it. Well, bring it on. And Rocket Man. So what, what will end up happening is I will go see Ma and Godzilla by myself that day. And then my wife will join me for Rocket Man. And it will it will legit be a holiday. <laughs> well, congratulations, man. Yeah, I'm going to wear out some AMC stubs. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I will be probably knee deep in um I'll probably be knee deep in three show days by that point, so I won't I'll have to go watch all of them on like a I don't know, on like a Sunday or something. Should we call that the the spring grow fest that this was gonna be uh yeah. you know, Golly, for day. sure. That's that's pretty much what it's gonna be. And I I mean I hate that for you. I'm sorry. I, I wanna be an empathetic friend, but um I'm also super excited right now for May thirty first. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. So, so you'll you'll watch Godzilla and Ma, and then you and the lovely Mrs. Wright will go watch uh, Rocket Man, and then you'll go home and you'll watch the first episode of Swamp Thing. It, I mean, if 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 I can be in control of my day that day, absolutely right. That's that's a pretty daggum good day. That's I mean it, it it's a lot of watching, but dude, I'm 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 already like seal clapping <laughs> uh, thinking about it so yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the episode guide on Swamp Thing and it looks like it probably will be coming out once once a week because normally if they drop all in one day it has the date on them mm-hmm. uh, and the only one that has the date on it is the, the episode one so okay well I assume that will feel okay for me after that's the you know fourth thing I've watched that day so sure yeah, you well, probably you probably won't want anything else by that point. Yeah, I'll just be done. <laughs> <laughs> Might want to read a book. Who knows? <laughs> little, little palate cleanse. Yeah. 
Uh, I think also under the heading of good news is the second item, the second of two items I have for you today. You, you mentioned how we've already got too many streaming platforms. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the ones that I think is probably in most of our lives, uh, for those of you who are listening, is Shudder. And we, we got news that they have Hell House LLC 3 Lake of Fire entering production. Okay. Now, refresh my memory. I think you and I both generally liked the first one and then thought the second didn't quite live up to the first, but it was kind of perfectly acceptable horror. Yeah. that. I mean, I, f- I feel like that's probably the most accurate way to put it. And uh, I know you don't. I'm, I'm like the last believer in found footage. You're, you're totally checked <laughs> out on the genre, right? Yeah, dude. Uh, ugh, that's another pit in my stomach. Well, that I mean, that's a strike, I guess, for this one. Uh, let, me, let me read you the information that came out of the press release, and this is from Bloody Disgusting. Uh, Terror Films President Joe Dane has specifically talked to the third film, saying Hell House 3 will be taking a cue from the original Hell House LLC, returning to its roots to capture the same intensity and fear that fans and critics alike fell in love with. And that's a good note for me, right? Yeah. He goes on, it's our hope that this third and final installment will not only satisfy the multitude of questions from fans all around the world, but also act as an exciting precursor for the Abaddon Tapes, which is a limited series currently in development, which will expand on the history of the Abaddon Hotel, the now infamous setting of the franchise. Okay. So I guess we're getting a Hell House universe, man. Of course we are. <laughs> Shudder needs some universes other than the Joe Bob universe. Yeah, we're getting we're getting universes on everything, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Ma is going to set up the Ma universe. <laughs> trying to think who we could rope into the Ma universe. Could we get the, the old couple from The Visit in there and uh, the first set of The Strangers? We're going to get Tyler Perry as Medea. Yes, there needs to be a celebrity death match for that. <laughs> Don't make me drink alone. That's Medea. I mean, I, I, you'd have to tell me. I knew. I knew, brother. I felt it in my bones. Yeah, it was a really good impression. Uh, here's uh, the. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You're fine. <laughs> here's the premise for Hell House. Set or uh, Hell House LLC. Uh, never mind. That's for part two. We already know about that one. Why did you put that in there? <laughs> Press release. Watch the movie. Anyway, Hell House LLC 3. No premise, but it's going to spin off into a universe. Done and done. Now I'm upset. Uh, well, hey, what I was going to say is this. Uh, for the, you, uh, Jim Bob Biggins, what's his name? Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah. Which, by the uh, way, Jody and I are going to see next Thursday in Nashville, Tennessee, talking about how Redneck saved Hollywood. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Jilbo Baggins or whatever you said the guy's <laughs> name is. Um, you're good at this, man. You're, you're a funny guy. <laughs> Send all your hate tweets to at Derek Zoo. Um, Joe Bob Briggs is going to be, or he is on the newest episode of Talk is Jericho uh, for you wrestling fans. And he is talking all about the last drive in. So if you want to listen to uh, Jericho is a pretty good interviewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you want to, if you want to listen to a good interview with, uh, with Jim Boy, uh, Bobsled, then go ahead and, and download Talk is Jericho. You're missing one low-hanging fruit that the Vols fans, yeah, University of Tennessee Vols fans are listening to this, know about, oh. or if you're a Detroit Lions fan, uh, Jim Bob Cooter, one of the oh uh, yeah, dang uh, members Good of those call. vaunted franchises. Uh, yeah, that, that's the last one we need to fit in here for Joe Bob. Yeah, I was just trying to, th- I was just trying to think of things that sounded like 
his name. Hey, while we were while we were uh, laughing through your Joe Bob remixes, I found a premise for, or I found a synopsis <laughs> for Hell House LLC three. So you're gonna get it. Uh, you don't want me deterred here. I something scary. <laughs> here it is. Set one year after the events of Hell House LLC two. That's a really long title when you have to read it out. The yeah, hotel is. is on the verge of being torn down. Oh no! When it what? is purchased by billionaire Russell Wynn as a new home for his popular interactive show Insomnia, he invites journalist Vanessa Shepard and her crew to record everything happening inside the hotel leading up to the performances. But Derek, contrary to all expectations, something goes wrong. They what? soon encounter a more nefarious plot, one yes. that threatens to unleash a veritable hell on earth. A hell house, if you will. Yeah, or a limited series known as the Abaddon Tapes, depending on how, how that series <laughs> plays out. You know? I mean, I'm rooting for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for it to go well. But if if the Abaddon Tape sucks, we're all going to go back to that synopsis and be like, yep, unleashed hell on earth. Sure did. Yeah. Circle gets a square. <laughs> on the Al Dente Tapes. <laughs> Here we go, man. It's just... <laughs> It's the remix. Um, that is all I have for a long delayed horror reporter. Yeah. This has been this week's horror Well, you know, I think it's good that we we chalk so much goodness into the beginning of this thing because I don't have much to say about the Ted Bundy movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Man. Okay. Well, I got some stuff, so maybe you'll talk to me about it. Yeah, I'll talk to you about. We'll it. play the "Can Jeff Make Derek Like This Movie" game. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you changed my opinion on uh, that last one we did, whatever it was. You remember the thing with the Kruger? Yeah, yeah. So I think they call that one Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't think that's right. That doesn't sound right, does it? No, dude. Have, I know that we mentioned this already. Have you watched the Never Sleep Again documentary on Shutter? Um. You so would know because it's four hours long. Oh, good night. No, uh, here's where I probably uh, will be crucified and, and people want to take my horror card away from me. I recently canceled Shudder. Oh. Yeah. Hey, no, that's just because Shudder has not been a good partner with Saw Something Scary. Yeah. That's and, what they deserve. I'm going to be honest with you. That was one of the reasons why. Yeah. I mean, guys, not to not to be like telling inside baseball. We reached out to them uh, and said we'd love to, to partner with them. They said, sure, let's do it. It. We got some emails going back and forth, and then they just straight up ghosted us. Yeah. And uh, my feelings are hurt. Yeah, mine are too. And when I realized that I don't really watch much of anything on Shutter, and that they also kind of were jerks to us, I just said, okay, that's that's fine. I'll keep this, you know, five dollars a month and not give you my business, which I know killed their bottom line. And mm. you know, that's what I was trying to do. But uh, but to answer to answer your question, no, I haven't watched it. Well, it's the best horror documentary I've ever seen. Okay. I'll just say that. And like, I loved horror noir. I I just think this one's even better. So if if you're still if you're still subscribing to Shutter, uh, I think you can find a lot worse uses for your time than that four hour documentary. I, I tell you what, when I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try my hand at it, Derek. So when when Jody and I go see uh, Snowball Digs in, uh, <laughs> in Nashville, I try to pull them aside and be like, "You need to tell your cronies to uh, to hit us back." Yeah, yeah. Um, or I'm going to say this: uh, anyone that has Shutter, just go ahead and cancel it. <laughs> Shots fired. It's we're <laughs> we're declaring a war. Lines That's are right. being drawn. That's right. You're either with us or you're against us. <laughs> Only a Sith deals in absolutes, which is an absolute statement. I think we've talked about this before. <laughs>
Uh, you ready to pull the curtain it's, on extremely it's, wicked? It's Sorry. May fifteenth. So May what? Fifteenth. Okay. Hey, let's let's put down for next episode for me to not talk over you the whole time. Can we? <laughs> We should practice. It's fine. It's no big deal. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I think I'm just eager to record an episode with you. <laughs> Most of what I'm saying is garbage anyway, so you're fine. Uh, yeah, let's pull the curtain on this bad boy. Well, okay. Can you tell me the title of this movie? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. It is uh, Pure Evil, <laughs> Unseenly Horrible, uh, No Good, Very Bad Day, right? Yes. After a series <laughs> of unfortunate events. Uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Well done. You know, every like getting ready for this, every time I've Googled the, the film to try to find the IMDb page or something, mm-hmm. I've just stopped at Extremely Wicked. And I just, I'm like, I know it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Which, by the way, is a great title for a Ted Bundy movie. It, it really is. Uh, it's just, it's hard for me to remember. Yeah, isn't it something that, like, the judge said to him? Yeah, yeah, it was like part of the... legitimately, the judge said to him? Mm-hmm. He, yeah. the judge, that's how he described his crimes. <laughs> he was sentencing Ted Bundy. And, man, uh, we'll get into some of this, but whoever, whoever cast John Malkovich as that judge, Judge. One that was a great choice, and then two, he really did the historic judge a favor. Yeah, but that's a that's an incredibly good scene in this film. You know, you, yeah, um, you'll see. I mean, if you watch the, hang on a second, Wahlberg. What? No. Spoiler alert. If you if you watch this movie and you watch it all the way through to the end of the credits, um, in the credits they have certain video footage of Ted Bundy and this trial that's happening. And the first thing I thought was, oh man, they gave that judge a glow up. Yeah, for sure. So. When, when he tells him the, the the Malkovich scene, when the judge tells Bundy, you're a bright man, I would have been glad to have you practice law in front of me. <laughs> uh, I was pretty riveted. Yeah. And at that point, not to give too much away, but at that point I wasn't really that impressed with the movie thus far. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it just stood out as a really powerful scene. And again, that's, I think, thanks to whoever the casting director is. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this question right off the bat. Do you feel like that this movie was made to make you feel sorry for Ted Bundy? Um, if you had asked me to pause this movie an hour and 10 minutes in, I would have said yes. Right. And that's part of what I didn't like about it because there's several times where you're like, are you, are you wanting me to be sympathetic to Ted Bundy? Yeah. Am I, am I supposed to feel sorry for him? And it was really off-putting. Um, by the time we got to the end of the movie, I did not feel the same way. So, okay. uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's very much a theme here. And I actually think it, it says something about how well Joe Berlinger, or however you say his name, Berlinger. I'm not, I, I've never heard it pronounced out loud. I've just read it. Burlington Coat Factory. Yes. I mean, continuing the theme of this episode. Right. Uh, I think it, it speaks to how well he did creating uh, a fictional narrative. Uh, he, did you watch the, the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix? I watched two of them. Uh, it, did you quit because they were boring? Uh, yeah, I just felt like that I had seen what I needed to see. Okay. Well, we've we've mentioned this online. I'm a true crime devotee. Uh, and, and so, like, Ted Bundy stuff is interesting to me. But I know a lot about this case and a lot about Ted Bundy. Um, and I had several people tell me that, like, the, the tapes are fine, but they're just... There's nothing revelatory. It doesn't add a whole lot to the the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I've never went to them because I feel like I have spent a lot of time with Ted Bundy. But that thing has reviewed well, and it made me think, like, can can a really good documentarian make a really good biopic? Mm-hmm. And at least with the biopic side of that, I feel like Berlinger pulled it off. Yeah. 
here's here, we've already kind of hit on this. Here's where I want to start with this movie, and I'm I'm certain this is not an original thought with me, but I, I just need to get this on the record, and I, I think it's a national good that needs to be done. Okay. Okay. The the thing with Ted Bundy that you always hear is how attractive he was. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, in, in casting Zac Efron to play him, they did, uh, you know, a an exponent of what they did for that judge by casting John Malkovich. Yeah. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not a guy who's attracted to guys. But when I look at Ted Bundy, I think he's like a serial killer eight. But a walking... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you laughed at that. I wondered if it would be funny. Uh, it's yeah, it's competitions just, like John Gacy. Right. It's, or, just, it's uh, just funny because you and I have had these conversations before where we're like, yeah, there are such and such eight, but a real life four. And so it just kind of caught me off guard. That's that's exactly what's happening with this. Ted Bundy is a serial killer eight, uh, and he's a walking around four and a half. Yeah. But Zac Efron is off the scale. I mean, I just have to acknowledge that he's one of God's greatest creations. And that somebody just really fanboyed about Ted Bundy to cast him in this. Yeah. Yeah. Gene, and I don't know if you and I have talked about, I know we, we haven't talked much about this movie off air, but do you feel like that the reason they casted such a, a specimen is because this movie is set from the the girlfriend's point of view? And yes. so we're, we're we're supposed to look at uh, excuse me we're supposed to look at Ted Bundy through her eyes and that's how she looked at him. Yeah, man, that's exactly right, Derek. And again, it speaks to the skill that Berlinger, uh, you know, crafted this thing with. Uh, now, I'll, I'll grant that if you put like some of um, like if you put a, a picture of Zac Efron playing this character over and against some of Bundy's, uh, I guess mug shots is what they are. They're just shots of him in prison. There, there's a you know a, a fair amount of resemblance, mm-hmm. but I do think that they cast this so that we would enter into Liz's perspective. Yeah, and it worked, which is why by the time he ties everything up, I look back at some of these choices and I'm like, you know what, that was really well done. And where I wasn't on board with you initially, I, I've caught back up to what you were doing and you were right. And I, you know, I just want to acknowledge your skill. Having said that, <laughs> I do think the less you know about Ted Bundy going into this movie, the better it works. Okay. Um, the the story's pretty interesting, just in the historical details. So, I mean, I say pretty interesting. I, that that's assuming that the person has a moral, uh, you know, the, the the person can say, I can I can find the the work of a serial killer of interest. You know, nobody's saying yeah. endorsing. Just that I get looking into the details of this for a lot of people are going to be like, that's I don't want to look into the darkness that deep. You know? Yeah. But if you look at Ted Bundy just as a criminal after his incarceration, it's an interesting story. He had legal training. He turned his courtroom into a circus. He he escaped. Uh, he escaped multiple times. He escaped and then went and did some more heinous stuff. One of the times he escaped, like that's a that's an interesting story. But I think it's just you know if you like my wife doesn't know much about Ted Bundy and she watched this with me and like she's like you're kidding me. He got out and went and killed people at Florida State and I'm like yeah isn't that wild. Hang on a second, man. I'm sorry. Uh, This is breaking news uh, that I'm just now finding out about. Chris Rock is rebooting the Saw franchise. Yeah, we'll just we'll put a stop here for a second and talk about that. You said some stuff there that I know about, but that doesn't seem like it goes together. Yeah. So, um, okay. So this comes from comicbook.com, and Chris Rock is set to reboot the Saw franchise for Lionsgate. Uh, He is... 
the announcement came through this morning saying that Rock wrote a story for a new Saw that will be adapted by Peter Goldfinger and Josh Stolherg. Rock is set to executive produce the movie, and it'll hit theaters on October the 23rd, 2020. Darren Lynn Bozeman is set to direct the film with Mark Berg and Oren Coles producing. Original creators James Wan and Lee Wanell will serve as executive producers along with Daniel Hefner. It got worse. Uh, like, I was going to tell you that I thought you just told me somebody invented Kool-Aid pizza. <laughs> but now it's Kool-Aid pizza ice cream. Chris Rock says, I've been a fan of Saw since the first film in 2004. I'm excited about the opportunity to take this in, take this to a really intense and twisted new place. Um, Chris wants to put his own spin on the Saw franchise and the way Eddie Murphy put a completely fresh perspective on Buddy Cop films with 48 Hours. This new Saw is going to be an event film in the making for horror fans. It will have all of the twists and turns and hardcore layers that our fans expect, directed by one of the masters of the craft, Darren Lynn Bozeman. Uh, we can't wait to get started. I think this is the first example of an in-breaking horror reporter in Saw Something Scary history. Yeah. Uh, does it does it just seem like it gets more incongruous, though, as you go along? Yes. So it makes sense to me that Chris Rock would make a movie. It does not make sense to me he would make a torture horror movie. No. It makes sense to me that he would want to do, I mean, what comedian doesn't look up to to Eddie? Uh, I can see him be like, I want to do something similar as a as a film creator, but it just seems so much more reasonable for a great comedian to put a new spin on the buddy cop trope than it does the torture clown franchise known as Saw. Yeah. This is kind of making my head hurt. Yeah, man. I don't know what to say or do with any of the information that we just talked about. I'm going to clean up my nosebleed. This this kind of feels like a migraine. I'm not saying I'm out. I'm not saying like it can't work or assume to failure. Right. It it really does feel like a round triangle or a river running uphill. Yeah. Uh, Question. Does Adam Sandler make an appearance? (laughs) You know, the real question, the real question is whether or not Rob Schneider makes an appearance. (laughs) Right. He's available. He's available. (laughs) Is is this really just uh, a cover for uh, those vacation movies that they all do together. I feel like we're about to find out that Chris Rock hasn't been paying his federal taxes for a decade. (laughs) And he's like, I'm going to release some kind of news so that that's what everybody finds when they Google me instead of the (laughs) fact that I'm going to jail for taxing. The only way I can get rid of this tax fraud is to write a song movie. This is this is strange. Life is strange. Yeah, huh. I, don't, I really don't know what else to do with it either. Just to just to keep coming back to the theme of this. This does not seem like a, a mixture of elements that belong together. <laughs> Chris Rock. Chris Rock thinks he's Jordan Peele now. <laughs> I'm black and funny. I can do it too. That would you know that sounds like depressingly possible, and that would be unfortunate. That I'll just leave it at that. That would be unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't mean to. I didn't mean to interrupt your your of consciousness there. I just, I had to, I saw that I had to, I, had, I felt, I felt the need to let everyone know. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did. Although I'm still not sure if I'm glad that this exists as a real life thing. Right. Huh. Well, if we can, I guess, go back to what now feels strangely like the real world with a story <laughs> of a serial killer who did horrendous things. I, I was just making the point that the movie works better the less you know about Ted Bundy. And I'm just curious because we've not talked about it. Are you pretty familiar with the details of Ted Bundy before this? Yes. Okay. Uh, does it strike you as credible that the movie would be better if uh, if you know, you know, if you don't know as much about Ted Bundy? Uh, yeah, I think so. 
I'm assuming hit the you know we've been beating around this so so far. I'm assuming that what Joe Berlinger and I've read him say as much is that he wants you to feel Liz's connection to Bundy and the way he was compelling to her, and then have to deal with what a monster he is. And so if if you and I are right, it would make sense that that would work better for someone who hasn't met him as a monster first and knows that the guillotine is going to drop at some point. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You may know... I mean, you may know that he's he's a monster, but like at one point in this movie, I really think the person who doesn't know a whole lot about Ted Bundy may believe this movie is pushing us towards the premise that Ted Bundy was set up. Yeah. And that, yeah. that doesn't work as well for people like us who, who know the deal, basically. Right. Yeah. There, there was, a, like I said, there was just a lot of this movie where I felt like that they were almost, <clears throat> that it was almost like a Ted Bundy worshiper. Mm-hmm. Who was who wanted to place as much doubt in it as possible? Uh, but then when I took a step back and realized that it was from the perspective of this woman who had obviously fallen in love with Ted and wanted to spend the rest of her life with him, then you go, okay, well, it is sort of in the perspective of a Ted Bundy worshiper because that's how she felt about it. Yes, I, that's a really good comparison to make because there is this other woman in Ted's life and in this movie, and that's uh, Carol Ann Boone. Who is yeah. a, you know a Bundy worshiper? My goodness! Uh, it, I do think the early the early part of this movie does a pretty good job of tricking you into thinking it's a Carol Ann Boone movie, mm-hmm. but it turns out to be um, it turns out to be Liz's movie, right? Yeah, that that that's a good. You've created the best you know lens to see this through, like Carol Ann versus. I think the woman's original, the the real life woman's name is Elizabeth Klopfner, mm-hmm. and so it's Carol versus Liz on this. Um, w- would you and I agree that Zac Efron is really good? Yeah, I mean he's the shining part of this whole movie. Okay, you know, we talked. Um, well, go ahead. Well, maybe, maybe we maybe can, we can spend that. the bulk of time on Zach. Then would would you also agree then that Lily Collins? I just didn't feel like she had a whole lot to do here. Like I, I felt she was really kind of a two beat character. Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. When um, you put up last week the episode from the Bye Bye Man, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the big criticisms we had from that movie was the actress who played uh, what was her name, Sasha. Yeah, uh, Christina Bonus or whatever. Uh, I'm sure I just butchered that. But she constantly was hiding her British accent. Mm-hmm. I feel the same thing about Liz Collins. Okay. Like she was trying very hard to hide her her English accent, but also she's just very wooden in this. Like she's, she's got one or two different gears, and she stays in that area a lot. Well, I totally connect with why uh, what you're saying about like hiding the British accent. Um, that is why Andrew Lincoln as Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead always felt weird to me. Mm-hmm. I just I could I could feel the Britishness trying to sell itself as Southern, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I get that, and I, I guess I hadn't even thought about that with Lily, but that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm w- I'm with you in that. Like we see her as devoted mother, enchanted lover, uh, weepy uh, devotee, and then now she does do a really good job in that confrontation scene. Uh, I, I don't want to take that from her, but those first three were just pretty simplistic, I, I, I guess. And in some ways, I was like, eh, I think Lily Collins can do more than this. They, it's kind of a shame she got cast to do this because they didn't ask much of her. Yeah. 
Now again, maybe they were saying like, yeah, but wait till wait till she confronts Ted at the end. I, I did think she was pretty powerful there. Yeah, and, and you know what? Honestly, you. I mean. I guess if you really look at it, that movie is just kind of a what it's an hour and 40 minutes of wait until this last scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we're going to pay it off in a big way. So you don't feel like that your your time has been wasted completely because as like a courtroom procedural, it's not a bad movie. Sure. But as as morbid as it sounds like you want to see Ted Bundy being evil SOB Mm -hmm. and we don't see that until the very end. And then when you get that, it's sort of this horrific uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, and it, and it feels like that you everything that you set through was worth it because you finally got the payoff that you wanted. I, I completely agree, and I've talked to some of the people in our Facebook group about this. If that if that ending had not worked, I I really wouldn't have cared for this movie at all. But that ending made the movie. Yeah. Have you looked into the, like the real life details behind this? Um, but behind the, the court case, or yeah, well, like Liz's story, like um, Elizabeth Klopfner and and the book she wrote about dating Ted Bundy. You know, I haven't. I have that book. Really, I do. Um, but I have not. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Okay. Well, you may. I don't know if it's hard copy or PDF or what, but you may have some money on your hands then, because apparently right now those books are selling pretty richly. Because so she went to a publisher and said yeah, it was during like Ted's late last trial and said, "Oh wait, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I have the Stranger Beside Me, which was by Ann Rule. That's what I have." Oh, gotcha. I apologize. Yeah. Well, that's a good one if you're a Ted Bundy. If you're interested in Ted Bundy, because that was I think they correspond or like they spoke on the phone multiple times while he was in prison to, for, with Anne Rule to help her write that. Yeah, and, and wasn't there romantic implications between the two of them, or am I wrong on that? Oh, I, I don't know about that. That's <laughs> I mean, with Ted Bundy, who would be surprised, right? Because I guess that's Serial Killer 8, but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not as familiar with that one. Yeah, I was thinking that, that I was thinking that Carol uh, Carol what's whatever her name is got upset because there was romantic implications between Bundy and another person, and it might have been Anne Rule. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Thank you. I've, I, you know, I told you I was pretty familiar with Ted Bundy. I've got some new googling to do. Yeah. Now I could be completely wrong on that, but I, I was I was thinking when I did a deep dive a few weeks ago that that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll look into that, and maybe our listeners can clue us in too. That'd be that'd be fun to hear about. Yeah. Well, the the reason I brought up the original Liz is because she went to a publisher uh, during the circus around Ted Bundy's trial and said, look, I dated him. I'd like to tell my side of the story. And you can imagine the publisher thought, oh, gosh, we've got a million copy seller on our hands. But it didn't it it didn't take off. And that's why the books are, uh, you know, they're so expensive right now. I I think like two thousand bucks is the going rate on eBay for a first edition. Holy smokes. Yeah. And so all this material just set neglected till these guys came along and said, hey, you know what? This will make a compelling movie. And uh, it's, it's just wild to think about that. I mean, with the appetite we have for inside baseball and just how inherent, inherently compelling the story is, I guess I would have thought the 80s would have eaten this up. But anyway, they neglected her and, and you know, 2019 got the payoff. Hmm. But there, there are some details that are not surprisingly right. The the Hollywood treatment had to had to change things, and that's I'm, I'm going to get somewhere with this to ask you a question. Um, apparently, Liz not just called in to suggest Ted Bundy, but like. Saw
saw a lot more connections to what was being reported about the unknown serial killer than what the movie reflects. Okay. And was even more persistent with the cops. Like, no, for real, you need to look at Ted Bundy. Uh, apparently, she had noticed this when the, the women in her area, I guess in Washington, were disappearing and got suspicious. But then when Ted moved to Salt Lake and the same start, sort of crime started propping up, she was like, for real, it's got to be uh, my ex-boyfriend. Mm. And another thing that the the movie leaves out, but I think it's I think it's to heighten that sense of like being able to connect with a woman's perspective who fell in love with Ted Bundy. Ted told somebody I can't remember if he told her directly or if it was in one of his prison interviews, but that he did try to kill her at one point. Oh wow! She you know the movie shows this. She apparently was a, a woman who found a lot of comfort in the bottle at one phase of her life. Right. And so Ted had left her at his at her house one night, kind of you know, sleeping off a drunk. And he had stopped the flu to the uh, the fireplace and then stuck mm-hmm. a wet towel under the door so that she would suffocate. Oh, my goodness. And she woke up and just thought kind of in her drunkenness that she'd about created a catastrophe, I think is the, the, the broad strokes. Of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the the thing the the book the movie leaves out not just that the book deals with but this is one that I think would have this is a detail I wish they had included because I think it would have heightened the what you call the Dana Ma where you're like oh my gosh yeah she's having to realize this guy's a monster and he's telling her he is mm-hmm. Ted Bundy participated repeatedly in necrophilia and sure. I, mean, I don't want to be super gross but my understanding is that like not just with human corpses but like he would you know he would defile the corpses and then engage in that kind of behavior with like severed heads yeah <laughs> and I feel like if if you got some sense that that was the kind of thing that was on the table with this guy. Now, I feel weird because the fact that he killed women and raped women, that's that's plenty enough to establish what a monster he is. But with the title and, and, the, and it coming from the judge's description of him as extremely wicked and vile, like I think you get an even, I don't know, it just adds another weight on the scale of how, you know, to borrow the phrase, extremely wicked and uh, shockingly vile and or shockingly evil and vile that he really is. And if they would if they would just mention these women's heads were cut off, there's evidence of sexual intercourse with them. I think by the time you get the hacksaw scene at the end, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, this guy is a monster and he is the grossest possible version of a monster. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But they left it out. I'd love to know why. Yeah. Am I thinking about it too hard? Does it work just fine without that detail? No, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I think I think if there were a few, you know, if they would have thrown a few more, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because of my word choice here. If they had thrown us a few more bones, um, yeah. I think that you know, I think that I would have enjoyed this movie a lot more. So I definitely get what you're saying, and I don't think you're you're grasping straws or anything. I think you're right. Well, the the only thing really uh, that I've got left to clean up here is what we started to do a minute ago, and I redirected us. Um, it's kind of disgusting that Zac Efron can be one of the most beautiful people alive and also one of our best actors. Yeah. It, it, is he also able to sing? Uh, he is. Yeah, he uh, does a really great job in uh, The Greatest Showman. So. Oh, that's right. I loved him in The Greatest Showman. That's right. Dad it, man. Yeah. Some people get too much, and I think Zac Efron's in that category. Yeah. Yeah, I hate him, but, you know. Uh, you mentioned that you love the the courtroom drama aspect of this film. Yeah, 
I'm with you. And it, really, it was Zach Efron and Malkovich. Like, I, I just found them captivating. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would love to see them do some kind of legitimate courtroom drama where Malkovich is the judge and, you know, um, Efron's playing a cocky, surefire prosecutor. You know, uh, did you ever watch that movie? Oh, gosh, what was the name of it? Fracture? Yeah, I don't think Fracture. I did. Okay, so uh, this might be a movie that you and I should re- review later on down the road uh fracture is a 2007 movie uh it's a crime drama thriller type of movie with anthony hopkins and ryan gosling Uh uh-huh and anthony hopkins basically uh i mean i I don't guess this is spoiling the movie for you he kills his wife oh okay and he goes on trial for it and gosling is the you know cocksure prosecutor and Hopkins basically puts this cat and mouse game together to try to try to make sure that he gets off, you know, for these charges. And it's just a really cerebral fun movie. Dude, I do remember this. Yeah, that was really well done because yeah. Hopkins is manipulating his lawyer. Yeah. As he's trying to manipulate his case. That's right. That is really well done. I, I would yeah. be happy to revisit that. Um, and so I would love to see them in something like that. Sure. You know, where they're sparring against each other, uh, in, you know, in this in this uh, setting. So, yeah. yeah, that'd be good. Maybe we can reboot that one. We can, yeah, we can do the Chris Rock saw thing. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast yeah. host reboot. Little known crime thriller. <laughs> I've always loved Fractured. <laughs> now I can't wait to show the world what I'm what I got going for me. And Gosling's over there like, I'm still right here. And I basically look the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Hopkins is in Valhalla somewhere. Uh, speaking about that ending, I just thought our listeners, if they don't know, they might find this interesting. In, in real life, that confrontation with the hacksaw on the window didn't play out as intense as that was, you know, the, as the movie portrayed it. Yeah. But I do think what he told Liz in their final conversation is pretty chilling in its own right. Okay. Uh, she reports that he said, there is something the matter with me. She, she, you know, I guess she did press him to confess. And he said, there is something the matter with me. I just couldn't contain it. I found it for a long, long time. It was just too strong. But that was as far as he would go. He never directly admitted any of the murders to her. Yeah, that felt almost forced a little bit when he writes that on the on the window. Because mm-hmm. I was just, I mean, I, I didn't know anything that you just said, but it just seemed like... Bundy was, you know, he seems so steadfast in his belief that he was innocent or the lie that he was innocent. Or that he's smart enough to manipulate everybody. I mean, that's the thing that comes yeah. through with Bundy for me. He just really, he wasn't particularly human and thought he could manipulate humans pretty easily. Right. Uh, and you know what? To his credit, he could, for yeah. the most part, uh, which is shockingly vile. Uh, and extremely wicked. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, that just as as good as that scene was, it just felt like oh, we've got to have this moment in the movie, and so we're going to stretch it as much as we can to. You know, to fit the narrative. Well, you're you're totally right. So I feel like I'm of two minds here, and you've put me in a dilemma. I think that ending makes the movie, and I don't. Yeah, know if oh yeah. You, 
I was just going to say, I don't know if it can be done differently in the movie to be as good as I end up feeling like it was. But Berlinger has specifically said that because we, he, this is his phrase, we're living in an era of accountability. I wanted to give her that strong, uh, you know, holding Bundy accountable moment. And again, I, the, the ending works for me. I just don't like that cultural moments are driving are driving our narratives quite so directly. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm uncomfortable with that, particularly when it's historical. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a little too much. I mean, we're not we shouldn't be re- rewriting history based on present narratives. Mm-hmm. And so much of this movie is. I mean, again, we we talked about some details that were left out and were kind of Hollywooded up, but so much of this movie is beat for beat. The story is really compelling. Just reading the black and white facts, you know? Yeah. Even that final confrontation, if we'd have gotten... There's a way to do Ted just... Uh, uh, Efron reading Ted's exact text there. There's something inside yeah. of me. Um, I couldn't fight it. I, I'm just inclined to believe that would work because this story has been captivating people for, what, 50 years now? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's crazy because... You would feel like that there was more of the story that was made up, but that whole thing with her or with him marrying Carolyn in the courtroom, yeah, that dropped my jaw. Yeah. And then to go back and realize that that actually happened, I was just like, "Holy smokes, man! This guy, he, I mean, Malkovich is right. Like he should have been a really good lawyer." <laughs> Which I know we have lawyers who listen to our our podcast. It it feels weird being like, "Oh, that you know, the world's purest sociopath would have been a great lawyer," but like. The guy had charm, and he had an effect on people, and he was intelligent. So we're not saying lawyers are sociopaths. We're just saying that it's weird to think how right that judge is. I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but— I'm I'm, I'm saying that all lawyers are sociopaths. (laughs) Wait till you need one, bud, as as a guy who once thought he was studying for law. Uh, Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, Yeah, but, but, I mean, he he had had an effect on people, and he could—I don't want to say manipulate— but he, you know, I mean, this guy seems like he's he's kind of guy that could sell um, ice to an Eskimo, right? Sure. And I mean, those are qualities that you need when you're trying to convince a jury sure. of your, you know, of of your peers, your side of the story. So, yeah, that's where I was trying to go at it. No, I think it's a point well made. It's interesting when you read the people like the uh, the professionals who worked with Ted, uh, you know, as psychiatrists, mm-hmm. and so his initial diagnosis was bipolar. Okay. No, I'm sorry. It was e- it's either bipolar or multiple personality. This is why, as I as a layman, you know, probably shouldn't be trying to diagnose him. I'm not. I'm just re- I'm reporting what people said. And so the first diagnosis was there were two personalities living in his head. People reported that, like, even as a young kid, he would just become a different person who was very scary. Mm. But eventually, one of the uh, one of the people who worked with him said, "When I was teaching, I would tell people a pure sociopath doesn't exist, and if you can find one and come back, I've got a prize for you." And she said, "I think Ted Bundy is the closest I've ever met to a pure sociopath." Uh, he, he, you know, they say sociopaths think that the world's beneath them. They're the smartest guy in the room kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But another interesting element, just to tell you how, like, again, unhuman this guy was, he literally did not think that other people noticed other people. Like, he thought that he was always surprised when someone would say, yeah, I saw a guy doing this thing. And he's like, why would you notice me? But what that tells us is he literally didn't notice other people unless he was locked onto them like a predator. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, until until he's caught, nobody would have suspected him. It's pretty chilling at that at that level. Yeah, for sure. Well, can we end where we began before we get into our questions? Sure, man. Ted Bundy is not hot. 
<laughs> stop relating to him that way. And if you th- you're like, hey, no, I think he's hot. Look, I'm I'm just pleading to you. Stop thinking that. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you look at pictures of Bundy, which I've got uh, some pictures pulled up right now, just to to back up your statement, there's a picture I'm looking at right now where he looks like Willem Dafoe. Yeah. I, again, this isn't my this isn't my bag, baby. But a young Charles Manson uh, looks to me like a much more handsome dude than Ted Bundy. Um, did Did you see that Netflix in uh, in January of this year tweeted out like something to this effect, like quit fangirling and fanboying about yeah. Ted Bundy? Uh, let me read it here just for our listeners that haven't seen it. Netflix US, their main account. I've seen a lot of talk about Ted Bundy's alleged hotness and would like to gently remind everyone that there are literally thousands of hot men on the service, almost all of whom are not convicted serial murderers. murderers. <laughs> and uh, I just have never agreed with Netflix more. Yeah. Way to go, Netflix. Now drop your prices so I'll keep your... Your streaming platform. Not immediately leap over to Disney? Yeah. Who, by the way, is going to own all uh, visual content at some point in their lifetime? Yeah, man. I don't know what's going on with Disney, but they are on. They are... They're ready to monopolize everything. For sure. I mean, they just got Hulu, too, right? Yeah. And I, for one, welcome our new overlords. So. <laughs> well, on that happy note, let's uh, let's draw this thing to a close. Uh, Derek Skella, 1 to 10. What would you give this movie? Six and a half. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't... I don't think you can call this movie a horror movie, but uh, for what it's worth, it was good. Yeah, yeah, well said. So I'm, I'm just going to co-sign that. You know, uh, six and a half sounds right. This is well made. Zac Efron's better at his craft than I thought he could be. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm oh, glad I yeah. watched this thing. But you know what? I, I was gonna, I was gonna say this earlier, and we kind of got sidetracked. To me, Zac Efron is in this movie like Johnny Depp was in the Friday the Thirteenth movie. Okay. Like he's just head and shoulders better than everyone else. Sure. Um, again, no pun intended with the head and shoulders thing. But um, yeah, gross, he's just. By the way, yeah, I know. Uh, he's just, you know, he's the guy. I mean, obviously, the intent is for this, but he's the guy that your eyes gravitate towards, and he's, you know, he, yeah, he's just above everyone else. The only person that comes close to him is Malkovich. So yeah, we just like this is this is the perfect application of Malkovich. It leaves you wanting just a little bit more. You know, he, yeah. Too much of him can be can be presented, but this is good use of Malkovich and he's the only thing comparable to Efron. Yeah, I'm with you, man. This is yeah. I, it's not like Zach Efron needs a star turn, but this is one of those like, oh frig, this guy's gonna really be even a brighter star than we initially thought. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing, man. Like I think that most people look at Zac Efron and they're like, oh, okay, the dude's put together. He's just a pretty face. But then when he has material like this where he can sink his teeth into, then you realize, oh, no, he's just talented at everything. Yeah. The big, beautiful son of a... <laughs> he's, the, he's the LeBron James of white boy actors. Yeah. That gummit. Uh, do you want to ask the final question, sir? Sure, my man. Do we see something scary? No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously we sometimes we broaden our horizons on movies like this, you know, that are more thrillers or crime procedurals or, or whatever you call it. And, you know, sometimes we find scary bits in those movies, but I don't think we saw them in this one. This this seemed a little too cookie cutter to 
to get its hands dirty enough to be called scary. Sure. Well said, sir. The, I mean, the, the, the story of Ted Bundy is terrifying. The, the idea of being a woman who fell in love with him and had to realize you've fallen in love with a monster, that's pretty terrifying. This movie just doesn't frighten you so much as uh, leave you with a sense of eeriness, you know? Yeah. All right, my man. Well, hey, it's good to be back on a uh, a regular format episode with you, my, my, my friend. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been it's been a few weeks. It's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you. And <laughs> so, yeah, man, it's good to good to be back in the in the swing of things. Uh, next week, I say we do the crow. We just found out that the crow hit its twenty fifth anniversary. Yes, sir. Um, so we can do we can do the crow, and then we'll do Brightburn, and then I don't know if we'll get to Godzilla or Ma first, but we'll you know we've got the whole next month planned out for you guys, so that's awesome. Well, and there you know again because we we've mentioned this before, we love our Facebook group. I currently am sitting on the, uh, the Convent, Butterfly Kisses, and The Headhunter as movies that sometime this summer we probably ought to review that I had not. I probably wouldn't have watched if somebody in the Saw Something Scary group had me like, man, this is really good. Sure. So we're, I mean, again, I felt like there's a lull, a lull after Endgame, but there's just a lot of good stuff right now. Yeah. Yeah, man. We're about to ramp up, and uh, I think summer's going to be really good. And, of course, it leads us into the fall, so uh, we're going to have we're gonna have some fun here on the old Saw Something Scary Network. Yeah, and I'm I'm delighted for it. Yeah, me too. And hey, if you want to get more involved in the show, do us a favor. Uh, listen, or you excuse me, you can join our Facebook group. Also, listen to the show; that would help. <laughs> but join, join the Facebook group at We Saw Something Scary. Uh, remember to rate, review, subscribe on all of your plat. All of, oh my gosh, I am killing it on this uh, plugs thing today. Rate, review, subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, especially for us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, give us those coveted five-star reviews on that to help us with the algorithm so that more people can hear the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're wherever you get podcasts from. We're Spotify, YouTube, Tinder, MySpace. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're all over the place. Just, just swipe right for your boys. That's what I'm trying to say. That's um, really funny. I, I am not on Tinder, but that, that, that popped me. So well done, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you can find him at Right Jeff. You can find me at Derek Zoo, and you can find the show at Scary Podcast on Twitter. And we saw, or excuse me, saw something scary on Instagram. Hit us up. Let us know what you liked about the show. What you didn't like about the show? Hey, did you like this movie more than we did? Hey, are you still in on Midsummer or Midsummer or piece of garbage as I like to call it? Uh, let us know. You know, hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking about that movie. Now that we've kind of went into a little bit of the Wahlberg territory on that. Um, if there's a movie that you would like for us to review here in the upcoming months, hit us up. Let us know. Also, remember to help us out. Donate to our Patreon campaign. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash scary podcast. We've got four different tiers that you can join. Three of those tiers have some excellent perks. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jeff, you and I need to figure out what the bonus episode is going to be this month for our Patreon subscribers. So hit us up on that and that's going to do it for this week's episode join us next week for the crow and until then we will talk to you guys next week for jeff wright this is Derek zoo reminding you to stay away from clouds and sewers white people with teacups and ted bundy and apologies to jim parsons for not mentioning that he also is in this movie jim tell your manager and we will make it up to you by booking an interview we'll see you guys back here next week bye-bye man <laughs>